Scripture reading is Luke 19, 28 to 44. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Luke 19, 28 to 44. When he had heard this, when he had said this, he went ahead, going to, up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mountain of, called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away their way and found just as he had said to them, but they were loosing the colt. The owners of it had said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near to the descent of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the, the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called on him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered them and said, I tell you that if they should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you, and your enemies will build an embankment around you, and surround you, and enclose you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground that they will not leave you in one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. May the Lord add the blessing to his word. Take, turn around and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, Hosanna. Sing something out. Praise God to each other. <sighs> Guys having a great day today? Woke up this morning, no, no spring ahead, no daylight savings time, it was nice, the sun wasn't out, but it wasn't raining, but now it's raining, but it's okay, we need the rain, but we're thankful to be here. Are you thankful to be here today? Are we filled with joy, because today is the beginning of Holy Week, the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus, and all that will happen this week changed the history of the world, and changed our lives, for sure. Today's uh, message will be a triumphal entry message entitled, King Jesus, from Luke 19, 28 to 44. It is what we refer to as Palm Sundays. Everybody get their palms? Show me if you have your palms. All right, very good, excellent. Kids, get ready with those palms, okay? I have something for you a little later on in the message. Are you ready? Okay. Let's begin. 
Let's say a little word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in you today, Lord. We're thankful for, for what your word will bring. We're thankful that, that we can remember your triumphal entry. And we can really remember, Lord, your triumphal entry into our hearts and into our lives. We give you praise. We worship you, Lord. May we enjoy your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus', Jesus earthly ministry has come to a close at this point. It's in its final stage. It's not quite done yet. He spent three years in his ministry ministering to people, uh, getting to know them. He spent three years revealing God's love to people. He taught them the goodness of God. He showed them the goodness of God. He touched their lives. He was filled with patience and love and grace. And he healed people. Whoever came to him with a need, he took care of it. He healed it. He did miraculous things. And, and he, there was nothing that was impossible for him to do because he's our Lord. He's Jesus. And he impacted so many lives. But even outside of the, the healing and the miracles and the wonders, it's how he touched people's lives that really impacted them. Just like he's touched our life really impacts us. Amen? Has Jesus touched your life? Has he even touched your life this week or this year especially? So we have a lot to, lot to celebrate in that. So Jesus now, he's coming to the end of it, and he's in the final stages. And in this final stage, he will enter into Jerusalem, and he, will, he knows that what has to happen is he has to suffer and die on a cross so that those who God loves the most, which is us, will be saved, can be saved for all eternity. He knows he has to pay the price, and he knows that stage is now. So Jesus will present himself as God's Messiah to Jerusalem. He will present himself as the Prince of Peace, who will bring peace between God and man. But this is done through his own death on the cross. The week will begin with a triumphal entry as God's Son and King will be blessed, it will be praised, will be worshipped. It is truly a beginning of a great, a, a great day for him. It's a great beginning for the week. It's, some, it's a highlight for Jesus to be worshipped in this way. But then Satan and his allies will appear to have victory as they will have Jesus beaten, betrayed, tortured, and killed. And all hope will seem lost as Jesus dies a criminal's death on the cross. And probably all of hell is celebrating in those at that time. Until three days later when Messiah Jesus, God's son, the Prince of Peace, he proves that sin and death have no power over him. And he rises from the grave. He rises from the grave. And he ent- so, but he knows this. Jesus knows that he has to enter into Jerusalem and allow these things to occur. He knows that he will be betrayed. He knows that he will be beaten within an inch of his life. He knows that he will have to suffer and on that cross and die that death. But he does so. He does it for us. He does it with courage and with love. He does it with courage because he knows the joy of our salvation is set before him. And he knows that he is fulfilling God's will. And he knows that the cross is ultimately the cross of victory, not the cross of shame. Although he carries our shame on it, it is victorious because it pays the price for our sins. And he knows that when he goes on that cross, that he will rise three days from from then. And he will prove to the world 
if they're willing to believe that he is who he says he was, that he is God, that he is Lord, that he is Savior, and that he is King of all. Amen. Amen. God, but Jesus knows he's got to pay the highest price for us, and he does it willingly because he loves us. He does it with courage. He does it because he knows he is doing it for us, and he's fulfilling God's will. And we have to always ask ourselves how great a salvation we have, how great a God we have, how great a Savior we have that loved us so much that went to the cross for us and endured that pain and that shame. Even though he knew all that to happen, he still did it for us. How great a love for God has shown to us through Christ's sacrifice. But first, Jesus would prepare his entrance to God's city as God's Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The first point in the sermon is the king prepares the entrance. The king prepares the entrance. Turn your Bibles to verse 28, or Luke, Luke 19, verse 28 to 34. Let's remember the verse. When he said this, he went ahead going to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, and uh, at a mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where you will enter, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to them, because the Lord has need of it, so that those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. So Jesus is coming from Bethany, where he has done his greatest miracle in his earthly ministry, the rising of Lazarus from the dead. And as he is approaching the outskirts of Jerusalem at the Mount of Olives, he will assure that he fulfills Scripture. And he goes, he goes to Jerusalem on a donkey, an animal fitting for the Prince of Peace. For a conquering king, if he was entering into Jerusalem, would be riding a stallion. But a man of peace would ride a colt. The Prince of Peace would enter into God's city to bring the sacrifice. And the sacrifice would be himself, which would bring peace between God and man, which would bring peace between God and us, which did bring peace between God and you when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The journey would only be two miles from Bethany to Jerusalem, but Jesus would ride a donkey as God's king of peace to be worshipped and to be praised. Jesus is heaven's sent king to the world and to Jerusalem. And he was sent, Jesus was sent to serve mankind, to seek and to save those who were lost and to serve mankind with his own life. That is his job as heaven sent king. And he did it so well. Amen? He did it so well. So Jesus sends two disciples to get a specific donkey, an unrode donkey, a sacred donkey with a sacred duty. And when the disciples went, they didn't even ask the owners. They didn't even ask him. They just obeyed Jesus fully. Think about that. They're going to get a donkey. Jesus says, don't even ask him, just take it. 
And if they ask you, then say something. But could you imagine you're going to get a donkey, you're taking somebody's property, you think you might get arrested for thieving. But they obeyed Jesus fully. The owners, but the owners of the, the donkey, they must have known Jesus, been a follower of Jesus. Maybe Jesus had made an arrangement with them. For when the disciples were following the commands, and then one of the owners did ask, what are you doing loosening the, the colt? All they had to say was the Lord had need of him. And they were able to take that donkey. What was shown, even this beginning act of worship in this entry of preparing for the entrance, is that the authority of Jesus is revealed here and shown here. The owners just let the donkey go, knowing that the Lord was in need of him. So Jesus, Jesus would have this donkey and he would go on this, this ride for about two miles to Jerusalem. The second point. So Jesus prepared the entrance of his own making to fulfill scripture and to be, to be worshipped and to show his authority. The second is the act of worshipping for the king. The acts of worship for the king. Verses 35 to 40. Verse 35 to 40. Then they brought him to Jesus. They brought the donkey to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the colt. And they sat on him. And as he went, many spread their cloaks on the road. Then as he was now drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is he, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory on the earth. And some of the, of the, of the Pharisees called him to the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. So the disciples, they brought the donkey, they brought the donkey to Jesus. And then notice this, Jesus understood the significance of riding the donkey to Jerusalem. And the disciples would understand it too. Their Lord and their King, the Messiah of God, was going to Jerusalem. And that they who believed upon him, they would they would have peace. And they believed, these disciples, that, that Jesus would go to Jerusalem and, and establish God's kingdom upon the earth. That this kingdom would be a kingdom of peace and he would be Israel's king. That, they, that he would remove Rome from Jerusalem and that there would be peace. So they would look to honor and worship Jesus. Now I learned from studying for this very message that it was customary for royalty when coming in peace to ride a donkey into Jerusalem. I had never known that before, but I was thankful I, I learned it. So Jesus, so he is, he is riding this donkey because he is entering into Jerusalem as a prince of peace. So, but before Jesus sits on the back of the donkey, notice this in the scripture. It says the disciples placed their own cloaks on the, the, the donkey, and then put Jesus on it. This was of value to them. Their cloak was their outer cloak, and it was a valuable piece of their clothing. So they took something of value, and they put it on the donkey so that Jesus would not sit on the donkey, but would sit on their cloak. And then they would take some cloaks, and they would lay them on the, on the road as a bridge so that the donkey would, not, would step on their cloaks. What they did in their worship is they took something of value to them, and they gave it to the Lord for their worship of him. 
for Jesus to sit upon. So as Jesus sits on the donkey, and the donkey moves forward to Jerusalem, other disciples and other followers in a growing crowd would take off their own cloaks, and they would lay them on the ground. And they would have like a bridge, they'd have like a trail, like not rose-colored pebbles, petals, but cloaks that the donkey would step upon. And then what would happen is that the disciples and followers, would, some would be leaving Jerusalem, the massive crowd, would, there was a crowd that was coming, and then there was a crowd that was coming from Jerusalem. They knew that Jesus was coming. They had heard that Jesus was coming. They left from Jerusalem, and they took with them palm branches to lay on the road. So the road was made up of the cloaks of value that people gave to worship Jesus, and the palm branches which represented triumph and victory and peace. It was a symbol of eternal life, this palm branch that they laid before heaven's king. They laid before the Messiah. They believed in their expectation that the Messiah was coming into Jerusalem to free them from Rome. So who were these disciples and these followers of Jesus who would bring Jesus and then be joined by the crowd of worshipers? Who were these people that would sing these praises and worship Jesus in this way? Who were these people who would give of their own value to the Lord to worship him? I believe for many, their worship and their acts of devotion were in response to being touched by Jesus and being blessed by Jesus. From Jerusalem and from this crowd, they could be the leper who was touched and was healed by Jesus. It could be the Samaritan woman or the adulterous woman or the tax collector, all of whom were not rejected by Jesus and shunned by Jesus, but they were loved by Jesus. And they were brought in by Jesus by his grace. They were not judged by Jesus, but they were loved. They were forgiven. They were restored. They were made whole and made new by Jesus. They were new people by Jesus. Maybe it was the man who was born blind who could see, or the deaf person who could, couldn't hear and now can hear, and the mute, the mute who couldn't hear, but now it can speak. It could have been these guys who were touched by Jesus. How about the paralyzed man who laid paralyzed, but when Jesus touched him, he rose up and he danced, and he worshiped the Lord. Maybe he was dancing as he was singing his worship and his praise to the Lord. How about the demon-possessed who were free? There were so many. Demon-possessed who were freed from their oppression and the slavery from Satan. They were freed and they were made new and they were given new life. How about the daughter who was raised to life? That whole family was probably there worshiping Jesus. How about the thousands of people who were fed with bread and fish? Not just the 5,000, but 4,000 that came later fed by bread and fish. How about those who were witnesses? And it says this in the scripture, those who were witnesses of Lazarus' resurrection came to worship him on the road. The, women who, the woman who was cured of a lifelong illness, and we can, maybe we, I'll tell you, there's so many people out there with chronic illnesses that you could understand this, that this woman with a lifelong illness was cured and, and had no more concern for her health. How about the many women who were respected and honored by Jesus as equal disciples to the men, which was unheard of, in his time, they were out worshiping Jesus and praising the Messiah. How about the young couple who Jesus saved their, saved their wedding by turning the water into wine? 
All these people could have been there. All of them were touched by Jesus. And they went and they worshipped their king and their Messiah and their friend and their Lord on the, on the road. Those who worship Jesus would be part of a crowd of great expectations. But I believe this praise and this worship of Jesus was heartfelt and in response to three years of Jesus loving and healing, delivering, saving, and then making these people to be a child of God and to know that God loved them. When our worship is in response to the touch and the love of Jesus upon your life, then your worship is true. And your worship is passionately given. And it is pleasing to our King, our Lord, and our Savior. It is the reason why we should come to worship. Because we have been touched by our Lord. We have been delivered by our Lord. We have been saved by our Lord. We have been restored by our Lord. We are made new and continually so. Continually so. How great Jesus is to us. When we come, let us pour forth that worship to him. So as the parade of disciples neared the Mount of Olives, the rejoicing and the praising grew louder and louder. And in their praise, they are proclaiming who Jesus is. And they're, they're singing a song from Psalm 118 and from a few other places. And they're singing the word, Hosanna, Hosanna. They use this word, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save, I pray. Hosanna, save, I pray. Save us from heaven. Bring salvation. Not only, they're singing salvation from Rome. We're singing salvation from our sins and being separated from God and being God's child. That's our salvation. But they're singing the the Masonic song of Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Lord. He is Hosanna who comes in the name of the Lord who brings salvation, who brings God's kingdom. He is this person. But the salvation that he brings, he brings to the world. And we can pray at any time. We can call out upon the name of the Lord in our prayer, and we will be saved. All the time, every time. He never says no. When you open your heart and your life to Jesus, and you sing your praise to him, and you proclaim who he is, and you confess that you need him, and you say, Lord, save me, Hosanna, save me, he will. At that very moment, you will be saved for all time and for all eternity. He is Hosanna. Jesus is Hosanna. Amen? Amen. So the crowd proclaims their praise, and I'll go through the four texts of the Gospels and just sing them out to you. I'm not going to sing because that would be bad, but I'm going to say I'm going to read it out to you. Luke 19.38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Matthew 21.9, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Mark 11.9 and 10, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. John 12, 13, took palm branches and went to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Not only the King of Israel, but the King of our hearts and the King of our lives. 
Amen. Hosanna. There is tremendous noise, celebration, praise, and worship. And I believe that Jesus is enjoying every moment of it. He's welcoming it in. He's absorbing it like he will in heaven when we sing our praises to him. He's taking it in. He's enjoying it. But not everyone is in the crowd is happy. Not everyone in the crowd is happy. The Pharisees want Jesus to rebuke his disciples. He wants them to rebuke them. He wants them to tell them, he says, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Notice they say teacher, not Lord. There is no worship in them, these Pharisees. And basically, the Pharisees are telling Jesus, Jesus, tell them to be silent. It is not right for you to be worshipped as Lord or King or Messiah. You are just a teacher, nothing more. And Jesus would respond to them and say, I tell you that if I would tell them to be silent, and if they were to be silent, the lifeless stones would cry out praise to me. Praise, they would cry out. And look at this jewel of special worshipers. Kids, I want you to pay attention to this. If you're, if you're a young person, get ready, because you're going to have some action. Okay, everybody got your palms ready? I want you to, parents, I especially want you to see this passage. And look at this jewel of special worshipers of Jesus. Matthew 21, 15 to 16. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son, and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? The children saw what was going on in the crowd. And when Jesus was at the temple, they did the same thing. And they did it loud. So children, kids out there, are you ready? Stand up if you're a child. Stand up. Stand up with your... your, uh, your, your palm branches if you have them. Please stand up. So kids, I want you to sing it loud. Sing it loud and sing it proud. Hosanna to the son of David. Praise Jesus. Come on, kids, let me hear you. Let the whole world hear you. Come on. All right, adults, you're going to have to join in with them. Everyone sing it out. Hosanna to the son of David. Praise Jesus. Come on, kids, sing it louder. Sing it louder. This is your time to yell in church. Yell it in church. Hosanna to the Son of David. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Children, don't ever let you be, let it always be known to you. Don't ever forget this. Young children, old children, even older adults, our praise and our worship is to be passionate to the Lord. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can sing praises to Jesus, and he loves it. Jesus loved it. He saw those kids worshiping. He loved it. He loved it. And he'll love it in heaven as well. The third point of the sermon is the king's message for those who will reject him. The king's message for those who will reject him. Verses 41 to 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city, that's Jerusalem, and he wept over it 
saying, if you had known even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you, leaving you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus did enjoy the worship. He ate it up. He loved it. He enjoyed the worship. But as he neared Jerusalem, his heart would break and tears would flow down from his eyes. And he knew many, like the Pharisees, would reject him and they would have to pay an earthly and internal price. Of all the people in the world, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders of Jesus' time, they, they should have known. They should have recognized the visitation of God, for the coming of the Messiah was all over the Old Testament for them to know. But Jesus was hidden from their eyes because of the blindness and the hardness of their hearts. They would have no peace, and they would reject God's Son and have Him crucified. Not just them. All people would have had Him crucified. But they would reject God's Son and have Him crucified. And there would be an earthly consequence that Jesus even prophesies here. Because in 70 AD, Rome will come into Jerusalem and level it to the ground. And for centuries, the mass of Jewish people and nation will be blind and will reject the Messiah, Jesus. But what is the message in here for the church and for those who have heard the gospel? That God has visited them And what is to be the response? Many people come to church because they were raised to come to church. They were taught at a young age that you come to church and you go and you meet God. And they sing songs with their mouths and they hear the words of God, but their hearts are far away from God. They're just coming to church. They dress nice. Used to dress nice. They dress nice. They say nice things. They have traditions. They give offerings. They say the right words. They even do the right things while they're in church. But they do not have believing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, they do what they do because it makes them feel good, not because they want to surrender their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because they want to repent of their sins or confess Him as Lord and Savior. So now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that Jesus is coming to Limbrook Baptist Church today at this very time. That coming down Peninsula Boulevard right now is the parade is the, the, the parade of the triumphal entry as Jesus is coming down to Peninsula Boulevard. And he comes, he makes that turn onto, the, onto Earl Avenue. Now he's entering into the doors of the church. Jesus enters the doors of the church and the children are the first to jump up. And then we all jump up and people lay their cloaks. They, we lay our outer clothes before him 
And we sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The kids are jumping for joy, and they're waving their branches. They're singing at the top of their lungs. And we're all excited, and we're doing the same. We're worshiping Jesus. He's coming down this aisle right here. He comes here. I'm on my face before the Lord right now. I'm, I'm not even, I'm over there somewhere. All right. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. He's here in the worship and the praises and the adoration of his people. And he's filled with joy. He's filled with joy because he, he loves the worship of his people. But then Jesus looks down. And then he looks up again. And this time his eyes are filled with tears. He's filled with tears. And tears are flowing down his face because he looks out and he sees those, and he sees those from the Zoom land. He sees those who have rejected, who have rejected him in their hearts. And Jesus weeps because he knows that the enemy of their souls, Satan, will devour them and destroy them in their life and in eternity. He knows the destiny that they will have because they have rejected the Lord. He knows it. So he's filled with tears. He's filled with tears. There is a better way. Let today be the day of your salvation. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross and he died so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be right with God, so that you could have life with him on earth and in eternity. And you will be a blessed, saved, forgiven, delivered child of God. And I promise you this, as Jesus loved and had relationship with his disciples back when he was walking upon the earth, he will have that same relationship with you. And he will give to you the Holy Spirit so you will know that God is always with you and never leave you or forsake you, that all the promises of God's word are true. God has visited you. He has visited you many, many times. And he has visited you today. He's visited you this very day when the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and He's spoken to you through the gospel and He said to you, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. The path that you are following is not the right one. It is destructive, it is harmful and you will not be with God on earth or in eternity. Now is the day of your salvation. The Holy Spirit has been speaking to you not just today but for many days of your life. Today is a triumphal entry. Let today be the triumphal entry of Jesus into your life. Surrender. May you surrender yourself to Jesus as Lord and Savior and King. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose him from the grave and you shall be saved. And he will never leave you and he'll always forgive you, always love you, and he will save you in this life and in eternity. Come to Jesus on bended knee, and a surrendered life, and repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as Lord. Ask his forgiveness and accept him as Savior, and you will become a child of God. Then you will respond in worship. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Let us pray. I'm going to ask Elder Jeff if he can close us in the prayer.
salvation, Lord. We thank you for the salvation that is, is only in your son, Father. And what can we do but we say, Hosanna, Hosanna to the, to the Most High, Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you today for, for salvation, Lord. Many of us here, we, we were never physically blind or lame, Father, but we were spiritually dead, dead in sin, dead in trespasses. We were known as enemies of you, Lord. We thank you today, Father, that Jesus came to change that, Lord. The word says that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed, Lord. We thank you for the freedom that you have, Lord, the ability that we have now to come into your presence, to have fellowship with you, Father. We thank you for fellowship here with you, Lord. We thank you that one day we will worship you. We will see you as, as you are, Father. We will see your face and behold you, Lord. We thank you for the many promises that your word has for a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.